Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two of the All About Everest podcast. And I'm your host, Pauline Reynolds Nuttall. On this podcast, you can get anything and everything about Mount Everest, including interviews, book recommendations, tips, updates, and a whole lot more. So welcome to the spring 2023 Everest climbing season. And here we go. Hello, all you wonderful listeners. I get asked two questions a lot of the time. The first question I get asked is, how do I find the time to get outside so much when I am so busy? And the second question I get asked a lot is, how can people get outside more? I started podcasting, writing, and blogging because I was super passionate about helping people get outside and enjoy the great outdoors, regardless of where they were at physically, where they lived, their financial means, their health. And so because I've been getting asked those questions a lot more lately, I decided to start the free five-day get outside more challenge. It'll be a rolling challenge. It starts the second Monday of each month. Currently open to enrollment. You can find the link in the episode description. I hope to see you guys there again. It's absolutely free. And did I mention that there's going to be homework prizes? Come spend five days with me and help improve your life. It's as simple as getting outside at least 15 minutes a day. And guess what? There's absolutely no pitch. So go ahead, click the link. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the All About Everest podcast. And today's episode is about Reinhold Messner. So he's kind of been all over social media and the news when we're talking about Mount Everest and about mountaineering in general, because he just lost two of his records. Personally, I think it's absolutely asinine that they would take his records away but it is what it is. And because he is such an amazing mountaineer, one of the OGs and an absolute rock star in the mountaineering world, that's what I decided today's podcast was going to be about because he is absolutely amazing. And if I were to be a mountaineer, I would want to be like Reinhold Mester, but um, that's not possible because I'm a girl and he's a dude. (laughs) Just a quick update and a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about what happened in Israel and how it relates to Nepal and mountaineering. So you may want to fast forward about five minutes. Thank you everyone for reaching out to me regarding my family. They're all physically okay However, mentally, that's going to take a while for them to heal. The things that happened on October 7th in Israel, the senseless murder and torture and kidnapping of so many people is just, there's not even words to describe it. The death toll is over 1,300 so far. 
and it includes people from all over the world, not just Israel. Of those who are dead so far, there are 10 from Nepal. And there is also someone who is missing. It is feared that he might be one of those that is kidnapped. Uh, Bipin Joshi, he was very heroic and brave. And he saved at least 17 people, including those that were working with him. In Israel, a lot of the agricultural workers come from outside of Israel, like Nepal and Thailand, Romania, places like that. And Bipin Joshi is from Nepal. He tried to save so many others. He's currently listed as missing, and he may be one of those who has been kidnapped. So again, regardless of your politics, Keep everyone in your thoughts because this ha will have a ripple effect across the world. I hope, however, that it will not have an effect on mountaineering. We know that there have been issues and a lot of people were extremely angry and frustrated when Russians were allowed to, were allowed to climb. Okay. Um, they felt because of the war in Ukraine that they shouldn't, we, no one should give them permits. I've said this once. I've said this twice. Politics and mountaineering do not go together. Leave the politics out of mountaineering. Let mountaineering be a sport. Let it be inclusive and let everybody have a chance to play. And that's what I'm saying about this incident as well. You can't just roll everybody up together and pretend that they're all the same thing. You, you just can't. Apples and oranges. Good people, bad people. It's really unfortunate what has happened. So again, keep people in your thoughts and prayers. Do what you can. Volunteer. Do good things in the world to overcome this horrible, horrible tragedy. And, you know, that's, that's the only thing that I, I can suggest. Go do charity work, do good things for others. Because I think that when you give charity or you do good things for others, it counsels out the bad, or at least it makes a little bit of a difference. All right, no more sadness and death for the rest of this episode. I'm kind of done and I just need some happy, especially after everything that's going on in the world. So I get a lot of messages and emails from you guys, the listeners, and I wanted to share an email with you guys. I'm not a mountaineer, so I don't know if I have the exact answer. But I figured I'd share it with you guys. And those of you that do have the mountaineering experience, let me know if my answer is wrong. So this email, I got it last week from Tim and it goes, 
Greetings, my friend. Is there some reason why you climbers don't have a second belay for the queue? It would make everything completely safe when passing in a bottleneck or a traverse. Just have the climber being passed unclip you after you complete the pass, etc. Or have the person being superseded clip you on belay before passing. Everything would be so much improved. Tim. So I don't remember if I discussed this during an interview or not, or if it was during a pre-interview, but I had talked to someone about this and, or something very, very similar. So the fixed ropes on any of these routes lead you to the top. It's to keep you safe. It's to prevent people from falling. And as long as you're hooked on, you should be fine. What happens when you unclip is that potentially it could put you at risk because if you slip and fall and the one example that I can think of off the top of my head, there was an incident on K2 during the deadliest year and also in 1996 I, on Everest, I believe someone unclipped and that's how they fell to their death is that they slipped and they fell. But that route a lot of the times is very narrow. Uh, on K2 specifically on the bottleneck, that route, I think the trail is like eight inches wide. So you there is no way around. You have to follow the route and stay on the fixed rope because there's no, there's no other way. And then on some of the other mountains, even if there is room to unclip and go around those who are on the fixed line, a lot of the times people don't have the expertise. It takes a lot of experience to be able to navigate the mountains without being on the fixed line. And most people don't have that alpine, have any knowledge or experience of that alpinist approach. It's more towards those that have the purest, um, alpine experience than most of those that are climbing today. The other thing too, is that if you had two sets of fixed ropes, in my mind, it just doesn't, they would just get tangled up and there's already enough issues with people getting tangled on the ropes especially on K2. I can think of just this last September when Hassan, he got tangled in the ropes essentially. And that's one of the con con one of the contributing factors to his death, but also on K2, the year that Jerry McDonald died, he was saving climbers that had gotten tangled in the fixed ropes. So I hope that answers your question, Tim. If anybody wants to leave me a message or a comment, if I'm wrong, please do so.
So the topic of today's episode is who is Reinhold Messner? He is, in my opinion, one of the greatest mountaineers of all time. And there's not very many like him that still exist. He has a very pure approach when it comes to mountaineering. A lot of people consider him the goat, the greatest of all time. And his experiences in the mountain, as well as who he is as a person. If you've seen him in any of the documentaries that he's participated in, he is very charismatic and he's very involved, a little opinionated sometimes, but he definitely knows his stuff. I hope one of these days I'll get to interview him. Who knows? Right now, the closest thing I have to interviewing him is doing this podcast episode. And he is in the thumbnail photo for my interview with Guy Cotter. I think the reason why I thought that he was born in Switzerland was because the book Heidi occurs in the Alps and they talk about Frankfurt in Germany. And I knew that Reinhold Messner spoke German. I didn't realize he was actually born in Italy. So he was born just at the tail end of World War II in a small village. His dad served in the German military on the Russian front and Messner was the second of nine children. So he had a pretty big family. His siblings were Helmut, Gunther, Eric, Waltrud, Siegfried, Hubert, Hans-Jörg, and Werner. And they weren't, you know, the richest family in the world. And because Reinhold was raised in the Alps, it was only natural that he get into exploring the mountains around him. So at the age of 13, he started climbing with his younger brother, Gunther, and they later became climbing partners. Uh, He and his brother in their early 20s became some of the best mountaineers in Europe at the time. They made a name for themselves because they were willing to do things and try things that other people wouldn't. Reinhold and his brother Gunther, they they climbed together. They were well-known climbing partners. And so in 1970, Reinhold was invited to join a major expedition to the Himalayas to climb the, at the time, it had never been climbed, the Rupal face of Nanga Parbat. His brother went with him and it went south. Gunther and Reinhold continued to the top, even though the expedition leader, there was some type of argument. Again, it's one of those he said, she said things. And Reinhold and his brother Gunther, they went ahead above Camp 5 and they successfully summited. 
on the way down after two days, there was an avalanche that swept his brother Gunther down the mountain and he was never found. He died. Reinhold Messner had some very serious frostbite injuries. He lost seven toes and um, because of the frostbite, they had to be amputated. He received a lot of criticism for going against the expedition leader and going ahead and trying for the summit, especially when his brother had less experience than him. There is a movie about it. It's called Nanga Parbat. It came out in 2010. It's based on an account of, of the events. And as we know, in the mountaineering world and industry, it really does come down to perspective. I can only imagine one, what Reinhold went through because he loves mountaineering. You can hear it in his voice when he talks about it and having to lose his brother during an expedition and having the world blame him for it. I can only imagine how he felt about it. Even though they haven't found his brother's complete remains, uh, there was some bones, I believe, that was found in 2000, a shoe found in 2005, and in 2022, the second boot was found. So in the 70s, Reinhold Messner decided that he was going to summit Mount Everest, but he would only do it if he could do it without oxygen because he felt that the only way to do it was with minimum intervention in the Alpine style without oxygen. Otherwise, it was cheating. And he has been a huge advocate of mountaineering without oxygen. Now, they had tried to summit Mount Everest before without oxygen, and no one had been able to do that. Look at George Mallory and Sandy Irvine. It, you know, at the time, them even trying oxygen was kind of unheard of. But without oxygen, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay wouldn't have been able to accomplish Mount Everest. And... So it was kind of, there were people who kind of laughed at it. They didn't think that physically and medically that you could actually achieve it. However, Reinhold Messner and Pete Hebeler were very successful and they reached the summit of Mount Everest in 1978 without O's. I have included some of his books on my Everest book list, The Crystal Horizon, uh, Everest, The First Solo Ascent by Reinhold Messner. That is a really good one. That just came out this last year. Um, also, All 14 Thousanders, which came out in 99, and his autobiography, Reinhold Messner, My Life at the Limit. Those are probably my top three of all of the books that he wrote, but 
I think he has like, I want to say between eight and 10, not all of them can still be found in print, but you should absolutely check those out. One of the things that I saw a comment, oh God, I can't remember where it was, but it was when I was researching this episode and someone had mentioned in, in an article, I don't even remember where, that um, they asked if his hair got thicker with time. And so I went back and look at, looked at some pictures and it does look like his hair has gotten thicker. He's a lot more gray, but it seems like he has more hair now than he did back in the 70s. So you tell me, do you think that he has more hair now than he did back in the 70s? Like, has it gotten thicker with time? If you have read any of his books, make sure to leave us a note on Spotify or even message us and let us know what your favorite book is that was written by Reinhold Messner. And what I really also would like to know, and that is going to be today's poll, is do you think that they should have taken away both of his records? I know it's a hot topic right now. You know my opinion, so I would love it if you would share yours. And that is it for today's episode. Next episode is going to be what should you look for in a mountaineering guide when you're going to summit Mount Everest? And the reason I want to bring up this topic is in a lot of my mountaineering groups lately, there seems like there's a lot of people that are maybe going the cheaper route um, and they have no experience whatsoever maybe have climbed a 6,000 meter peak and it's kind of concerning. I had mentioned that to me, I think that the biggest factor to deaths on Mount Everest is the expedition companies and the mountaineering guides. Cause really it comes down. A lot of it comes down to them and the decisions that they make before and while they're on the mountain and that their decisions ultimately lead to someone's success or, or death on Mount Everest. And there was, I'm not going to mention the name, but there was a mountaineer that has been, she, this mountaineer is not certified as far as I know. And yet they're pitching to people all over their social media pages. Hey, come climb with me. I'll be your mountaineering guide. And it is very scary. It is very scary to me that this person would pitch that. They do have a lot of experience. However, and we will discuss this next week, there are certain things and requirements and experience you should have before you guide other people up the mountain. I did talk a lot about it with Adrian Bollinger when he was on the podcast and also Alan Arnett. I think it's something there needs to be more conversation about because again, I believe that if you pick the right mountaineering 
guide and write expedition company for you, you are more likely to be successful summiting Mount Everest instead of dying on Mount Everest. So until next time, climb your own climb. Thank you for listening to the All About Everest podcast. Please rate, subscribe, follow, and share. You can follow us on social media at All About Everest. And if you love what we do, you can even buy us a coffee. If you're interested in interviewing for us, please let us know or even sharing your Everest story. Cheers.